Yo! Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the IKP Kid Podcast. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Oh boy, oh boy, welcome back. So, first first and foremost, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. And boy, oh boy, I hope everybody out there is doing fine, doing well. <laughs> hope everybody out there is staying COVID free. <laughs> um, and I actually, I actually got so I got both doses of my vaccine. I got both of my shots. First shot went well. First shot didn't have too many side effects. Arm was a little sore, but not that much. Second shot of the vaccination was awful. I felt like a zombie. Facts. Okay? <laughs> Facts. I felt like a zombie and my arm was couldn't even move my arm. I was feeling nauseous. So beware if you if you um if you know, if you're planning to get your, if you're planning to get the vaccination, and once you get your second shot, beware that it could make you drowsy, uh, and you know, you might have a little bit of, you know, might be a little nauseous and stuff. But other than that, I'm good, and I was feeling so down. I was, I probably, I, I mean, I don't know how I'm making this episode right now, but I feel a little bit better. I feel a little bit better, so I am fine. But Draft weekend has, uh, you know, NFL draft this past weekend from Thursday all the way up to Saturday. I watch most of third. I watch all of Thursday's uh, draft night. Friday, I didn't catch m- much of. Like I had it on, but I was potting, so like I, I really didn't pay attention. And then on Saturday, I caught a good share of the picks um, or, or of the draft. So. And I told you guys the, the way how the NFL has basically set up the NFL draft. It's basically it's it's like a it's like another event for the NFL where it, it grabs so many ratings and so many eyes. And especially this past draft, this draft class, we've been like I said, we've been talking about this draft class for years. We've been talking about this draft class for years. Um, we had so much questions and controversy going into the draft then um Aaron Rodgers and that whole mess with the Packers that we're going to get to I'm going to get to it was just a lot going on and it it, it brung like the draft was great the way how they had the draft set up in Cleveland it was great and I heard they supposed to have it out Las Vegas next year so that would be even that will that would be a show um at the Raiders new stadium but furthermore, I saw different draft grades. I saw different draft grades. PFF, um, Pro Football Focus, came out. They did their draft grades. Um, I seen so many people like, ooh, what team won the draft? Biggest winners and losers. And... That's cool and all, and I think the analysis is great. Like most of the, like a lot of the, and a lot of the draft grades that I saw, they were pretty good. They were pretty accurate. I I wasn't too mad. wasn't too mad with that. Um, with the draft grades, with the draft, with the draft grades that I saw. Excuse me, but you got to think about it with the draft. A lot of a lot of draft success is pending on, like if it's so if a team drafted a quarterback, right? 
the only way to like fully determine if that draft was successful is whether or not did that quarterback pan out. So for instance, I seen people giving the Patriots great grades for draft for, with you know for their draft, you know, the Patriots all over the place. PFF from different analysts, sports media members and so forth, they gave the Patriots a good grade, but in actuality if it like years down the line, if it turns out that Mac Jones is an average quarterback or below average, we're gonna look back at that. We're gonna look back at the Patriots that draft class with, with the Patriots. And we're gonna be like, oh, that wasn't a good draft. Quarterback didn't work out. Like for instance, who won the draft last year? I would argue the the, the L.A. Chargers won the draft last year. I would argue that they won the draft last year. You know why? Because they drafted Justin Herbert. They drafted Justin Herbert, who's who's who looks like to be who looks to be an emerging superstar. So a lot of draft success is pending, or it it depends on the quarterback that you draft success. That's really what it is. That's really what it amounts to, because quarterback it, it, it's such a valued position in today's game, like never before. Quarterback uh, in the seventies, eighties, yeah, you know. You get like in the in the seventies and eighties and 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 you know years ago, you could get away with like let's let's say you can get away with a running back being your best player. But if your running back is your best player in today's game, oh, you're done, you're screwed. Ask Carolina, and I like what Carolina's doing, but their best player is a running back. I mean, I, and I like Christian McCaffrey. He's the he's a great running back, but. Can't go far with that, right? <laughs> you can't go far with that. Um, so it, the the quarterback position is so so valued, and some would probably even argue overvalued. But the point is, like I seen people give the Jets a lot of credit. People were giving the Jets a lot of love about their draft, but I was thinking, hey, if Zach Wilson don't pan out, then the draft wasn't good. That draft wasn't good. <laughs> the Jets, they they failed. <laughs> they failed. Um, and I mentioned, and I mentioned the Jets or or Zach Wilson in the previous episode, where I'm be, I, like I'm gonna be praying for Zach Wilson because he go, he has to face three elite defensive minded coaches with three really good defenses. So that's gonna be really interesting to see. But the two teams that I really found interesting in the draft, this this just draft, right? The two teams um, that I and I and I particularly like their moves because these two teams already had like really good rosters, and then they just they added to what they already had, and plus solved their weaknesses, and their weaknesses have somewhat become their strengths. And let's start first with the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns did an excellent job, not just in the draft, but throughout this offseason and free agency and in the draft. They did a good job. The Browns did a good job. I was ver- I was very impressed. Like looking back and thinking back about it, I was impressed on what the Browns did. Because first, the Browns, the Browns' biggest problem last year was the lack of pass rush. Like Miles Garrett was a Obviously, we all know Miles Garrett is great, but he could use another guy on the on the edge. They went out and got Jadavion Clowney. You know, 
an, uh, the probably the biggest weakness that the Browns had in their defense was their secondary. Their secondary was full of was 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 a bunch of just practice squad guys. You know what they did? They went out and got John Johnson from the Rams, a really good safety. I think he's one of the more overlooked players in the league, underrated players in the league. They went out and got John Johnson. They added they also added Troy Hill, another for another former Ram. They also drafted Greg Newsom out of Northwestern in the first round. And then their linebacking core, they saw they got the linebacker for Notre Dame. Jeremiah Arawusu Kamora, something like that, I think. Sorry, I butchered if I butchered his name, sorry. But they got that, they got the linebacker for Notre Dame. So the Browns not only they didn't not to not to mention. They got Grant Delpit, who got, who got hurt last year, that they drafted last year as a safety. They also got Greedy Williams, and they still have Denzel Ward. So the 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 Browns' biggest weakness was their secondary. You look at the acquisitions and the draft, the drafting that they did. They have turned their biggest weakness into one of their strengths because they're they're they have they have so much depth in the secondary now. And as I mentioned, they added another pass rusher in Jadavion Clowney. So I was very impressed in what like with the what the Browns did, not just in the draft, but in the offseason as well. So the Browns, I find them very intriguing. And that's a team that I'm gonna pay close attention to. And excuse me, if you are a regular listener of this podcast, you would know over the last couple of years. I have been I have a lot of topics, a lot of segments surrounding the Browns. And it's not just Baker is a big part of that. Like Baker is very fascinating and I and I'm very critical of Baker, but the Browns especially since the hiring of Kevin Stefanski and John Barry as their new GM, the Browns have made a lot of correct moves they've made a lot of smart and integral moves to make their roster better they have and i i told you guys a couple weeks ago or yeah a couple weeks ago when i was mentioning baker and his fifth year option i said hey you look at the browns roster you can't tell me they don't have a top five roster in football they have a Super Bowl quality roster. Now, I'm not saying they're going to get to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, but their roster is legit. And now, like I said, their weaknesses have turned into one of their strengths. And then another team that I found very fascinating and that I've already mentioned was the Chargers. The Chargers. So I mentioned the Chargers. Basically, they like they basically won the draft last year. They drafted Justin Herbert. They drafted Justin Herbert with the sixth pick. It looks like he's going to be an emerging superstar. He he, I mean, he looked like he's going to be an emerging super, superstar. Six six, mobile, can sling it, accurate, does it all. But what was the Chargers' biggest weakness last year? Uh, probably their offensive line. You know what they did? Not only in the draft, but you know what they did in free agency? They went out and signed Corey Lindsley, so they they upgraded their center position. They had one of the worst centers to one of the best centers now. They went out and got, and then surprisingly so, fell into their laps in the draft at 13, Rashawn Slater. 
I talked about Pen. I, I talked about Peninsula a lot on this podcast, but I didn't mention. I didn't I, like. I didn't mention a lot of Rashawn Slater, but a lot of a lot of analysts, a lot of draft experts had Rash, like they had Rashawn Slater rated better, or I should say higher than Peninsula. So the the, the Chargers got a steal. <laughs> so they got so their offensive line has automatically. Went to went from one of the worst offensive lines to at least top half offensive line when you look at the acquisitions and also they got um they got a guard from the Steelers. Then not to mention in the second round they drafted Asante Samuel Jr. who I really like. Josh Palmer I've seen some I've seen some of his stuff. Um, I'm not too familiar, but I've seen some of his highlights. He looks promising, but he's a receiver. But they add, they're just adding to their strengths already. But I like what the Chargers did. And, and, and not to mention the, the, the players that they already have on their roster. Like Duran James, if Lord, if he can stay healthy, if Duran James could ever stay healthy, like Derwin James is as good as any safety in football when healthy. I'm sorry. He is. When healthy, he is as he's as good as any safety in football. So you 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 combine that with the stars and the talent that the Chargers have on offense, you know, some key acquisitions on defense and the offensive line. I thought the Browns and the Chargers had really good drafts plus free agency. And I think they really, really did a good job. There were some other teams that did a good job. Like like I like what Miami has done. I like what Miami like but this is but this is my point. The Miami Dolphins. Perfect example. The Miami Dolphins throughout this throughout this rebuild has done practically everything right. They have done practically every single thing right. They hired the right coach in Brian Flores. Defensive minded guy. He's he comes out of the Belichick coaching tree. The Belichick coaching tree that usually don't have good coaches. Those guys that come out that come from under Belichick is they're used, they usually don't work out. Brian Flores is the needle in the haystack. He's worked out, it seems like. He went 10 and 6 last year with the Dolphins. So it seems like they have the right coach. They've utilized their draft picks and they have they have flipped like the so let me tell you guys this. The Dolphins have done so much with the Lermy, with the Lermy, the, with the Lermy Tunsil picks. Like they traded Lermy Tunsil, and they have just continued to flip and flip and flip those picks that they've gotten for Lermy Tunsil. So he's kind of been the anchor of this entire rebuild. Thank Lermy Tunsil, left tackle, right? Left tackle, great left tackle. But that's why the Dolphins traded him. And they just, they just, since then, they have just continued to flip picks and flip picks. And they have worked out. But you know the one thing that the Dolphins still have a question mark about? You know the one thing that everybody is wondering about the Dolphins? It's the quarterback, Tua. I like Tua. I was very high on Tua. But. The bounty is still out. We don't know. We don't know how good Tua is. That's why the Dolphins, they went out and drafted Jalen Waddle. They went out and signed Will Fuller. They added some more pieces on offense. 
So we're going to see. But that's a prime example of, of a team drafting everything right, doing everything right, hiring the right coach, drafting the right players, signing the right players, making sure that they're, they're, you know, they're, they're good fits. But the quarterback position, that's the big but, the quarterback position. And if Tua does not work out, no matter how good of a coach Brian Flores is, no matter how good of these picks, no, no matter how good these picks may turn out to be that the Dolphins have drafted, if Tua is not good or if he doesn't live up to par or standards, it's all for nothing. And that is why I say the quarterback position some could argue that it's a bit overvalued, and I think in some instances it is. But the court, but you need a guy. This is why I say you need a guy. So let's move on to the Green Bay Packers and this Aaron Rodgers drama. Okay, so the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, this relationship, it's gone away. It has completely gone away. And I don't think there's no retooling because I'm looking first Aaron Rodgers. Let's get this understood. Aaron Rodgers, he's petty. He's petty. He's a guy that's petty. He holds on to grudges. Um, and with the Packers did the past last draft, right? Uh, last year's draft, they drafted Jordan Love. In the first round. And Rodgers obviously did not like that. And I can only imagine, only imagine what that quarterback room looks like. But I don't find it coincidental that draft day this year, like immediately before the draft, like hours ahead of the draft, I don't find it coincidental um, that Aaron Rodgers dropped the bombshell, uh, and that this new that this news just leaked on the same day of the draft, where he was basically saying, "Hey, I don't want to return to Green Bay. I'm, I'm disgruntled. I, I, you know, the relationship is in flames." I don't find it coincidental that it happened on this, like on the quote-unquote anniversary of the drafting of Jordan Love. I don't find it I don't find it coincidental at all. Now now the thing is with this Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay Packers situation is Jordan it, 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 this situation has been brewing for the last over the last couple years. Jordan Love, the drafting of Jordan Love has just made this this relationship just not a relationship, not a stable one. But over the last several years, this has been brewing. This has been brewing. But it kind of feels like the Jordan Love pick was the ice on the cake. It was the cherry on the top and in a bad way. Now, I think the Packers, and there's no getting back. There's no getting back. There's no type of canceling. Um, Rogers wants Brian Gutenkus fired the GM of the Packers. I'm not sure if the Packers are willing to do that. And let's be honest, this is who the Packers are. The Packers, as much as we 
as much as the media, as much as different analysts try to criticize the Packers on their ways, this is who the Packers are. The Packers are a franchise where you like even you like look at their look at their war room. Look, did you guys see their draft room when they drafted their players? Like there was no type of excitement. It was just it was just plain dry old Green Bay. I th- like it was just so dry. Like it was so dry. It was like their dra- the Packers draft room on Thursday was drier than the Tahara Desert. Simple. And people we try to we keep on we keep on criticizing Green Bay for not being um a team that like for, for for not being aggressive basically. You know, I always talk about aggressive aggressiveness 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 aggressiveness. That has that's that's Teams have used that tactic and has gained success. The Buccaneers last year were aggressive. They went out and added Antonio Brown. They did not have to add Antonio Brown. They went out and added him, though. And they had an abundance of weapons. They were aggressive. I talk about it with the with the entire NFC West. The entire NFC West, they're aggressive. But who started it? The Rams. The Rams and Sean McVay, ult, like just ultra-aggressiveness, led to just a domino effect around that entire division. And now you look at every team within the NFC West, they make aggressive moves. But the Packers, they don't go out and sign free agents. They don't try to trade for anybody. They call, like, once again, this past this past season, the Packers call a lot of heat for not trying to or attempt to trade for a guy like Will Fuller, right? They call a lot of heat for that. The Packers call a lot of heat for drafting Jordan Love. Instead, or they call a lot of heat even this past even this past draft this weekend. The Packers call a lot of heat for drafting Eric Stokes, who in my opinion and to many others, he was the second best cornerback at Georgia. So the Packers didn't even take the best cornerback they took the second best cornerback that played for Georgia. So we keep we keep trying. So my whole point with point is with the Packers, we keep trying to criticize them, but this is who they are. This is who the Packers are. They're not changing for anybody. They didn't change. They they didn't change their stripes for Brett Favre. Brett Favre was a legend, a living legend. They did not change their. They did not change their ways because of Brett Favre. And as great as Aaron Rodgers is, and I'm not saying that the Packers should, or I'm not saying they shouldn't try to change their ways, but this is who the Packers are. And as great as Aaron Rodgers is, and as great of a season as he's coming off of, an MVP caliber season, a season where he won MVP, the Packers are ready to cut bait. (laughs) They're ready to cut bait. And this is who they are. I think that's the I think that's the thing. I think that's the big thing that people are kind of overlooking because we're acknowledging because like a lot of me media members are acknowledging the fact that the Packers are this stagnant, non-aggressive, don't sign free agents. 
They like they're just not gonna do that. That's just never been their way. They they draft their guys, they develop their guys, they develop their own talent. That's just who the Packers are. And when they have an older quarterback over the last 25 years, as we as we've seen with Brett Favre, with the transition from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, when they when they're when when they're ready to cut bait, they're ready to cut bait. And it may not play over well with the media, and we may criticize and criticize, and rightfully so, because you the Packers with a with the with the talent that Aaron Rodgers has, the Packers should be trying to go all out to get this guy whatever he needs to win his second Super Bowl. Right? They should be trying to go all out to get this guy his second Super Bowl. But the Packers have failed to do that. And over the last couple of years, they're they're sending signs. The Packers are sending signs. They're sending they're sending signals. We're ready to cut bay with Aaron Rodgers. They are. They are. They drafted Jordan Love in the first round for a reason. You know? They tried to they they didn't they they didn't extend Aaron Rodgers for a reason. And that's part of that's a great share of the reasons. Uh, you know, of why Aaron Rodgers is pissed and he wants out and he, you know, he's threatening to retire. He, he doing, you know, he's going to do Jeopardy. I think people are just overlooking the fact that Green Bay, they are who they are. Who they are. <laughs> this is who they are. And with Aaron, I mean, you want to take a look at Aaron Rodgers from his perspective. Aaron just wants long terms. So, you know, he just wanted extension. Um, I'm sure Aaron wants to get back to a Super Bowl and win his second Super Bowl because it's been so damn long since Aaron Rodgers has even gotten to not alone win the Super Bowl, but even gotten to the Super Bowl. Over the last few years, they've been really, really close. Last year's NFC Championship game, or the year before last, I should say, with the with uh, versus the 49ers, the Packers was just, were just outmatched. The 49ers were simply the better team. But this past year, the Buccaneers, that Buccaneers game, that was a winnable game. That was a winnable game. And, yeah, Matt LaFleur made some questionable calls. Aaron Rodgers did not play the greatest. The defense had its moments where it did not play the greatest. But they've been really close. But I think Aaron Rodgers wants to get over the hump. And I think he and, and I, he's 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 just not going to get over the fact that Jordan Love was drafted. He, we're, we're just not he's just not going to get over that. It, it's just like in a relationship, right? Where like a girlfriend or a boy, you know, a girlfriend boyfriend, you know, whatever. Uh the guy cheats. Say the guy cheats, right? Say the say the guy cheats. And the girl finds out that he cheats. And they try to go to, you know, canceling. And, you know, they try to, they try different things. They're trying to stick together. But the dude cheating, yeah, like a marriage, right? This is a marriage, right? Packers got caught cheating. Aaron Rodgers, he swallowed the, he swallowed it, but. Can't quite get over it. Can't quite get over it. And with the drafting, it's gonna it's gonna have to take 
the Packers trading Jordan Love, which I don't think they they're gonna they're not gonna do that, um, or the Packers several of the Packers chairmen that they have, they don't have an owner. Um, they would they're gonna probably have to fire Brian Gutenkus, but I don't think they're gonna do that. Um, so I, if you ask me, if you ask me, I think Aaron, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is playing in a Packers uniform next year. Now, I'm not saying he's going to get traded to Denver because I think, in my opinion, I think Denver is the most likely landing destination or destination, um, and I think it makes the most sense so for, for both sides. So I'm not sure, but from the looks of it, I, I just don't know unless, like I said, unless the Packers fire Brian Gutenkus or they get rid of Jordan Love, which, but once again, I don't see those two scenarios happening. I just don't. So, and it's and it's crazy to say, to think that, but I just don't. I don't see those scenarios happening. I don't think Aaron Rodgers would be playing for the Packers next year. This September, I don't think Aaron Rodgers he will be playing for the Packers. That's you know. Sad to see for Packers fans, but it's the, I just think it's the truth. Because this relationship is destroyed. Aaron Rodgers is, he he he, he strategically put out, the, you know, leak the news that, hey, he wants out. He's disgruntled. The Packers really aren't hurt, helping their case. So, I mean, it's just, it's just back and forth. It's just back and forth. But I don't think the Packers can win a back and I don't think the Packers can win a spit spat with Aaron Rodgers. Because he's just too petty. He's on a level, he's on another level of just pettiness. Facts. On another he's on another level of just pettiness. And we can talk about we can continue to talk about Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love and that whole dynamic with the Packers drafting Jordan Love. But uh, as I mentioned. When Aaron Rodgers, I think he's looking first. He wants to win champion. I think Aaron Rodgers, no, like he wants to get back. I feel like he wants to get back to the Super Bowl. I, I do. I, I feel like he wants to get back to the Super Bowl. And I, and I, and looking and him just looking around the league, he probably looks at Brady, especially like, especially a guy like Brady, because Brady went up to Lambeau. In in Aaron Rodgers' house, wins his tenth conference championship, and goes to the Super Bowl and win his seventh Super Bowl. And I think Aaron Rodgers is looking at that like this is this is another year where I fell short. The team fell short, and and like uh, for instance. I mentioned the the 49ers NFC championship game. The 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 championship game last not this past year but the year before last the Packers got stomped. They got they got they got physically they were physically outmatched versus the 49ers. Physically outmatched the 49ers that year was just a better team. Well, instead of the Packers drafting more playmakers because that's what that's essentially what the Packers lack. 
outside of Devontae Adams, they lack playmakers. So instead of drafting a playmaker on the outside to complement Devontae Adams, they instead draft the quarterback that was not going to be able to play. Right? And and, and as 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 I mentioned, this has been something brewing over the last several years with Aaron Rodgers and this tumultuous relationship with the Packers. Because like I I mentioned it on the previous episode when I when I brought on Cambui. When I brought on Cambui, I mentioned the last 10 draft picks, the last 10 draft picks, last first round, the last 10 first round draft picks, um nine of those guys have been defensive guys for the Packers and the one offensive guy that they finally drafted in the first round was a quarterback. Aaron Rodgers replacement. So I think Rodgers looks at that. I think he looks at the fact you look at a guy like Brady. He left, left New England, went to Tampa Bay and had an abundance of weapons. You can even look at other quarterbacks around the league. Look at Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson this, you know, he 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 went out there, he went public with his discrepancies with the Seahawks, basically called the Seahawks out, basically, you know, with the offensive line and say, Hey, give me more offensive line help, protect me. What this what, what did the Seahawks do? The Seahawks went out and got more weapons on offense, got the got more weapons on offense. Gerald Everett drafted a couple of receivers. And they fixed their O-line problems. Look at Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. The moment the offseason, the moment the Super Bowl ended, Kansas City was was looking, was trying to figure a way how to strengthen this off that offensive line up again. Right after the Super Bowl. Right after the Super Bowl, the, the, the Chiefs were were trying every type of measurement to see how can we improve this offensive line for Patrick Mahomes. With Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't get that. He doesn't get that. And that's and that's another reason why I say, hey, the Packers, they don't have an owner. They don't have an owner. So Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that Robert Kraft or that Jerry Jones to go to and say, hey, I need this. I need that. He doesn't have that. He has Brian Gutenkus and a bunch of people that sit on the board of, you know, of the Packers. <laughs> and I mean, as I, I, I talked I talk about I, I, I preach aggressiveness, aggressiveness, aggressiveness on this podcast um, a lot. And it's just the it's just the complete opposite for the Packers. They're very conservative. They're very conservative. They're gonna they're low maintenance. They're not gonna risk anything. They're not gonna put their franchise in jeopardy. <laughs> and the biggest thing with this, with like as far as moving on from Aaron Rodgers, we gotta actually know if Jordan Love can play. Because if Jordan Love can actually play, like if he's a great, if he's a good quarterback, that gives the Packers even more reason to move off of Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not saying, and, and by any means, I'm not saying the Packers 
are doing the right thing. I'm not saying the Packers should like the Packers should be trying to do everything in their power to retain Aaron Rodgers. But the pack, as I mentioned, on the as I mentioned, they the Packers develop their own talent. They home grow their own talent. They're not going to go out and take big swings in the free agent market or in the trade market. They just don't do it. They just don't do it. And I think the I think with the sooner that people come to grips with that, the sooner this thing would, you know, people won't continue to beat a dead horse because yeah, I mean, we can continue to criticize Green Bay about their lack of aggressiveness and, you know, they them needing to draft better and draft what they actually need like yeah we we can continue to do that but it's who green bay is they're that that that's who they are that's who they are and it's similar to the it's kind of there's some parallels with the brett Favre situation that happened about 10 plus years ago there's some parallels but it's quite frankly who the packers are and Unlike the Buccaneers, unlike the Rams, um, unlike the Seahawks, unlike Kansas City, the Packers are not going to be ultra aggressive. The the pack they're just not. They're just not going to be ultra aggressive. They're just not. And I think Aaron Rodgers looks over. He looks at his counterparts around the league as far as like quarterbacks, like where you know the Brady's, the Mahomes, the Russell Wilsons, and he's looking. He's like, oh, I mean, Brady. Has everything at his disposal. Patrick Mahomes, the, the, the Chiefs have rebuilt the offensive line. Seahawks have rebuilt the offensive line for Russell Wilson. Uh, he's still left with scraps. He's still left with his same team. And actually, Corey Lindsley walked away. The Packers didn't even re- couldn't re- couldn't resign him. So, you know, I think this situation with. Aaron Rodgers, it uh I mean, I, I support Aaron Rodgers. I, I'm I'm totally with Aaron Rodgers on this. I do think these I th- I do think like it wasn't coincidental that the news leaked about Aaron Rodgers being disgruntled and not wanting to come back to Green Bay. I don't think I don't think I don't find that coincidental that it happened that news was leaked on the same day of the draft. I just don't. I, I don't. I don't find that coincidental. I think this is strategical by Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think he's very direct, but petty. I think he is. I think he's very petty, and he holds grudges. But I mean, why wouldn't you? The Packers have have had some really good teams and some good talent over the over the last several years, and just haven't gotten over the hump. They just haven't gotten over the hump, and I think Rodgers is kind of mad. He, he, he's 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 frustrated about that, and he's he's done. He he wants to really get, he wants to get over the top. I think he wants to win another Super Bowl. He wants to get back first. He got to get back, but then he ultimately he wants to win another Super Bowl, and he hasn't been there in the last ten years. All right, so let's move on to the Lakers. Let's move on to the Los Angeles Lakers. So a couple weeks ago, before LeBron's tweet, before this other stuff and all, you know, LeBron doesn't want to play in the play-in tournament. He thinks it's a bad idea, even though last year LeBron was on record saying that, hey, he, you know, he thought that the play-in 
tournament was a good idea. Now he is saying it's not a good idea because I think some could probably assume that's because the Lakers are in, you know, they're in danger of being in the play-in. But other than that, the Lakers have been struggling. The Lakers have been struggling big time. And, um, and, and let's just start from the top. Okay. So, like I said, a couple weeks ago, I had made a I, I done I did a segment where I was like, hey, once the Lakers get everybody back healthy, AD's fully healthy, LeBron's fully healthy, I think this is I think this team is still built and can get through the West. I basically said the Lakers could win the West. That was that was that's what I said. I you know I, I and I and I'm gonna stand by that pick for now. Um, uh, you guys know I'm I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a big for the NBA playoffs, but I, I the Lakers have just been they, they, I, when LeBron came back, they just been struggling, <laughs> and I'm I'm a loss of words. Um, and I'm I'm trying to figure I'm trying to figure where should we start with this whole Lakers season that just hasn't gone quite right. We can start with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, I like I like Anthony Davis a lot. You guys know I like Anthony Davis a lot. But boy, oh boy, Anthony Davis, this was supposed to be the year. Coming into this year, this was supposed to be the year where Anthony Davis takes that next step of being, the, I mean, possibly the Lakers' best player. Like, this was supposed to be the year. Because LeBron aging, slowing down, and we think of AD and, you know, him being younger, significantly younger at 28. We thought we thought this was going to be the year Anthony Davis takes that next step where he's the where he's arguably the Lakers best player where he, you know, maybe an MVP caliber type of player. But in the 30 games that he has played in this year, that just has not been the case. He's averaging 21 points per game, eight rebounds a game, shooting 72% from the from the free throw line and only 50% from the field. These are all career lows. These are career lows. Points per game, career low since his second year in the league. Rebounds per game, that's the lowest it's ever been. That's a career low for AD. And instead of, and he's shooting 26.5% from three. So instead of progressing and taking that next level or going to that next level, AD has kind of regressed. And some of this could be attributed to him first coming into the season, he wasn't in the best shape. Then he gets hurt in the mid, like in like February ish. He gets hurt. Then he comes back and he's trying to shake off the rust. So he's never quite been in a hundred percent tip top peak basketball shape. 
he's still trying to really play himself into shape. Think about it. He didn't, like, coming into the season, he wasn't in the best shape. Then he gets hurt, so he had the rehab, obviously. Now he's coming back off the injury, and he just still hasn't looked quite the same. So that's a big that's a big problem. That's 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 the big issue, and that's where I, I you know that's why I'm gonna start. Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has had a disappointing season, and he has failed to take that next step. And LeBron probably won't say it because LeBron love like look LeBron loves Anthony Davis. LeBron loves Anthony Davis, right? And he probably won't say it, but this was supposed to be the year that LeBron was supposed to take a you know a back seat a little bit, and Anthony Davis takes the baton. It just hasn't happened like that. Next, we can go to the Lakers offseason signings, such as Wesley Matthews, who, you know, just looking at him athletically, just not the same. Um, Marcus Saul, who's been highly, highly criticized, just hasn't been quite the same, or he wasn't, he 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 he's not the guy that the Lakers thought they were getting. Um, athletically a bit past his prime, obviously. Um, now I do think Andre, I do think Mark Gasol is a better fit with Anthony Davis than Andre Drummond. First, Mark Gasol can stretch the floor <clears throat> and and can knock down the three ball. And then also Mark Gasol is just more of a cerebral basketball player than Andre Drummond. So I think so for purposes, I think Marcus Saul is a better fit with Anthony Davis than Andre Drummond. But look at Montrez Harold, who's been playing pretty good. He's been he's been decent, but he's undersized, and the Lakers have missed that size. But now you have LeBron. LeBron, like I said. Two major injuries, two two injuries in three years. So he's getting older. He's kind of breaking down a little bit, and he re he re aggravated his ankle um, in the game versus Sacramento, right or Port or Toronto, one of those two games. I think it was Toronto. He re aggravated his ankle. It was yeah, it was versus Toronto. So <clears throat> now we're here with the Lakers. I don't know what to say, and this is the and it's it's the complete opposite of what happened last year. The break, the the four month layoff due to COVID helped the Lakers. It helped the Lakers. Their chemistry was solid. It remained solid. Um, LeBron, as an older star, he got rest. Um, Anthony Davis is brittle. So he was able to rest his body. But this year is the complete opposite. The Lakers have been injury riddled. Anthony Davis has been, has continued to be brittle. LeBron James, as, as I mentioned, slowing down two injuries in the last three years. So you're looking at the Lakers, you're like, this is the complete opposite of what was happening last year. <laughs> the complete opposite. Now. I'm not saying the Lakers can't get back to the finals or even win the finals. But at this juncture, at this moment right now, it does not look good. 
and and you know, hopefully LeBron and that ankle recovers because he made a statement where he was like, "Hey, my ankle may, you know, I may not be, I may not be ever, never a hundred percent again." So that's alarming. Um, but as you get older and as you suffer these injuries, it usually takes a longer period of time to recover from these injuries. That's all that is. That's all that is. But with LeBron and these Lakers, it has been quite a disappointment, especially with Anthony Davis and then Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond, he continues to prove my point about why he is like, like Andre Drummond is a guy where you have to watch him. Just watch his game and you will see Andre Drummond is not as good as the numbers may say. Like, you look at his box sheet, you look at the box scores, you look at his stats, you look at his average, and you're like, oh, okay, Andre Drummond's not that bad. You look at him play, he is not as good as his numbers may, you know, may display. He is not as good. He's just not. So, with the Lakers and LeBron, Hopefully they get their act together. Um, I think hopefully, like I said, I, I'm going to still roll with them because I think you, if you give me a healthy LeBron and a healthy AD, a AD that's getting back, you know, that we need that they need bubble AD. You give me that, I still like the Lakers to come out the West, but boy, it is going to be tough. It is going to be tough coming out of the Western Conference, especially if the Lakers are not on their A game. Um, if they're not on their A game, I'm not even sure if they get out the Western Conference. So we'll see. All right. Um, so I'm gonna wrap this bad boy up. Um, actually, because <clears throat> I don't want to hold you guys any much longer. Actually, so I like so over the draft. I like some particular moves that teams made. Um, I can tell you off the top of my head, some of the, some of the, some of these draft picks were kind of questionable. Um, for no, let, let me actually get to the ones that I like. So, like for instance, the Ravens, I think did a really good job. Um, I think the Ravens did a really good job with drafting. First, they drafted Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, who was really good, really good. Some people thought he should have been rated higher. Um, as, as far as a receiving prospect, they also, so the, the Ravens drafted two receivers, two receivers within the first three rounds, um, Tylon, uh, Tylon Wallace from, um, OSU, Oklahoma state, who was pretty good. They got Sean Wade as well. Who's a really good DB from Ohio state as well. I, I, I like the moves that Baltimore made. I think, um, I think Rashad Bateman may be a potential number one guy that they have been missing. He's, you know, he's a, he's not, he's not like an elite super athlete. Um, I, so I think, I think his floor is high. His ceiling may not be as high, but I think his floor is high. I think his floor is high. I don't think his ceiling is as high as, a guy like Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle, but I think his floor, like his worst at his worst, I think he'd still be a pretty good receiver.
but he's a big he's one of those bigger receivers um a number one not really big but a number one guy that Lamar and the Ravens have desperately needed so I like what Baltimore did they also drafted another tight end uh the Buffalo Bills the Buffalo Bills did a good job um this is why I continue to this is why I think the Bills are legit Super Bowl team this year um, they lack a little bit of explosiveness um, as far as their pass rushing. Like they, but they drafted Gregory Gregory Roussel from Miami, Florida. Um, they also got a kid from Wake Forest who's pretty good. So they got two first two picks were edge rushers. That were that was the that was the Bills' weakness. Edge rushers. They couldn't get to the quarterback. They could not generate enough pressure to disrupt quarterbacks. The secondary is really talented, but front four was not that aggressive. Um, so I do think they got better in those spots. I like I like those spots. I mean, with, with Gregory Roussel, you're getting, you're getting a freak athlete. He's an absolute freak show. Six, seven. Um, I think he got an 11-inch hands. I mean, he's an absolute freak show. Um you can, and he, I think he kind of fits the system. He kind of fits what Sean McDermott wants to do. So I, I, I like, I like, I like, I like what they did. I like what the Bills did. I think, and like I told you, I think, like I told you guys, I think the Bills are a legit, like, legit Super Bowl contender. Um, the Chicago Bears. I like what the Chicago Bears did. Now, as I mentioned in the now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, if you drafted a quarterback, if you're one of these teams that draft the quarterback, like New England or Chicago, no matter what happens with these other draft picks, because I and it's it's no slight to these guys or these players, but it's just that the quarterback position is so valuable. In 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 when I'm talking about the Bears and Patriots, particularly in those situations, think about it. If Justin Fields does not work, who's gonna get fired? Pace the GM and Matt Nagy, head coach. Excuse me. If the if Mac Jones turns out to be an average quarterback or below average quarterback, um Bill Belichick won't get fired, but he'll be under some scrutiny. He'll be under some heat. He'll be under fire. Um, about you know about the drafting of Mac Jones. So, and I and, and like I told you guys, I think Mac Jones he's a good fit for the Patriots. But these drafts, when you're when you're drafting quarterback as high as the Bears and Patriots did, uh, also Zach Wilson, the Jets. It, it these quarterbacks gotta pan out. They have to. They have to. Like I told you guys, the team that won the draft last year was the Chargers. They found a franchise caliber, superstar caliber quarterback, and that's what they have in Justin Herbert. That's what they have in Justin Herbert. But I do like what the Bears did. Um, I think it get you know the drafting of Justin Fields. I like I said in the previous episode. Guys like Allen Robinson and Montgomery and uh, even guys on defense are probably like, thank you. We finally got a quarterback. 
Um, and now it's it's put up a shut up time for Matt Nagy because, when, like I I revert back to the previous episode. Um, you know, I I, I kind of been a supporter. I've I've been pro Matt Nagy. A lot of people have been anti Matt Nagy. I've been pro Matt Nagy. But now it's time to you got to develop this guy. You got to get him ready to play, and it got to work. If it does not work, Matt Nagy's job, he will lose his job. Simple as that. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Jamar Chase pick was interesting. Uh, I'm not mad at it because Jamar Chase, he's absolutely ridiculous as a receiver. Like I think he's gonna, he is. Cincinnati struggled to like they struggled with big time plays. They didn't have a lot of big time plays. They didn't have anybody that can really stretch the field and really take the top off the defense and fear secondaries. Now they got that guy. They got that they got that guy in Jamar Chase. Now the only thing is, can the Cincinnati Bengals keep Joe Burrow upright and healthy? That's the thing. But they went offensive tackle in the second round, uh, Jackson Carmen from Clemson. But can they keep Joe Burrow healthy and upright? Because I, I really don't have any questions about Jamar Chase and how good he's going to be. I think he's going to be excellent. But I think, yeah, I think he's going to be excellent because he's just that good. But I, I still want to see how they keep Joe Burrow upright and tight. The Dallas Cowboys. People, like, there's mixed reviews on the Cowboys and how, you know, and they're drafting. I think they did a, I mean, given the situation, I think they did a pretty good job. Uh, They went all defense. The Cowboys went all defense for, you know, I think they drafted a receiver in the second round, I mean, in the fifth round, but in an offensive guard. But that was about it. Everything else was linebacker, edge rusher, um, DB. Like, the Cowboys went all in on their defense. I, I think the Michael Parsons pick, it's very Cowboy-esque. Um, even though J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan were both off the board, surprisingly, before the 10th pick, which was the Cowboys' original pick, um, the Cowboys... M- Traded back, gave that pick to Philly, and then at with the twelfth pick, they took Michael Parsons. Um, who, who Michael Parsons? He he may very well be the best defensive player in this draft, although he only has one year of tape, um, on on his resume. But he may be the best defensive player in the draft, um, or that was drafted, um, and. and I think a guy like a guy like Michael Parsons, he fits what you want in today's game as far as a linebacker. And then also the Cowboys went on to they 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 took they took a lot they took some guys they got some red flags. Like I said, very Cowboys esque. Like Jerry Jerry likes the bad boys. I mean, and it's nothing wrong with that. I think for your defense, you gotta have a little you know a little dirtiness about you. So the Cowboys certainly got that. Um, I, I, I like Nashawn Wright from Oregon state. Uh, I think he, you know, long, long, tall DB, but explosive as well. So I like, I like what the Cowboys did. Also Jabril Cox. Um, that also shows me that they're probably, they're probably going to move off of Vanderish. Um, 
yeah, that's what that shows me. They're they're probably they're probably gonna move off of Vanderish. Um the Broncos, I felt they did okay. Uh the Sertan caught me by the, the, the drafting of Sertan caught me off guard a bit. Um, but it was he he's a good pick. He's a that's a good pick for the Broncos. I'm not necessarily mad with that. Um <clears throat> Who else did I wanted to get to? Who else did I wanted to get to? Uh, New England. I talked about New England a little bit, but New England, they had a pretty decent draft. Once again, I'm going to re- reiterate my point. Uh, you, The quarterback thing, you got to have that. You got to have that figure out. So if Mac Jones is the guy and like he shows that, this is a good draft for New England. If he's not, you know. Uh, the Washington football team had a really good draft as well. Still don't know what they're doing at the quarterback position, but they had a really good draft. I still don't know what they're doing at the quarterback position, but the, but the Washington football team did have a good draft. Um, the Houston Texans, they had probably the worst draft. They drafted Davis Mills. I I, I don't know. He Davis Mills kind of feels more like a developmental project for me. Uh, he doesn't feel like a guy that can come in and start. He's more of a developmental guy who could use some tutelage um, and some time holding the clipboard. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, as you guys already noted, or, or as you are, as you guys already probably know, uh, I, I love the pick of the 49ers with Trey Lance. I love the pick. They in the 49ers, they added to what they do, what they do best. I mean, they 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 drafted a guard from Notre Dame. They drafted Trey Sermon from Ohio State, who I really like. They they drafted another offensive tackle. They are just adding to what they do best. They're adding to what they do best. I can't wait to see what some of these teams look like. Um, the Rams, the Rams got really athletic at the receiver position. The Rams just wanted the speediest guys that ever touched foot like that ever laced up the cliques like they just wanted the rams wanted all speed guys they the rams got all speed nothing but speed but um i feel like the jets didn't do bad either once again i reiterate my point the quarterback thing you know with zach wilson i like zach wilson as a prospect um my question's a little bit first he he, he can be kind of a loose cannon a little bit he can be he can be a little reckless with the ball, but that's that's fine. I can I can live with that because you're trying to make plays. Um, but that may cost him um, because, boy, they play in a tough division. But the Jets, they did some pretty good drafting. Elijah Verd Tucker, he I like I like him. His he I don't know. I don't I don't think he's quite a tackle. I feel like he's more of a guard. But Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss is really explosive. Like, he is quick. Um, um, they also drafted Michael Carter from North Carolina. So, the, the Jets, they got some big they, – they needed talent in e- everywhere. Everywhere you look, the Jets needed talent. So, it, like, there, was, there, there really wasn't a lot of misses for the draft that the Jets, you know, could have – there wasn't a lot of misses – that the that the Jets could have missed um, <laughs> with this draft because they had holes everywhere, and they had they had quite a few picks to do some things. They had two first round picks, a uh, second round pick, a fourth round pick, three fifth round picks, three sixth round. So they had a lot of picks where they could 
remover and do certain things with um and 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 post to bolster their roster but I, as i mentioned with zach wilson he plays in a division and i talked about this in the previous episode you guys can go back and listen to that i keep talking about the previous episode but i talked about how zach wilson plays against he's going to be playing up against in his division first he's going to have a first year head coach in Robert Sala. I like Robert Sala, but he's a first year head coach. So by default, he is going he's going to be the worst coach in the division. But then he has Bill Belichick, Sean McDermott, Brian Flores all in the same division. Three defensive minds. Three good defensive minds. Belichick is the gold and then you have Brian Flores and Sean McDermott as two emerging defensive minds in football along with their three defenses new england miami and buffalo three solid defenses three solid secondaries <laughs> like three solid defenses up and down the rock like oh my goodness zach wilson's gonna have to go against he's gonna go against that six times and he has a first year head coach with with the worst roster in the division by far that's why I said, even with these draft picks for the Jets, they still have by far the worst roster. So I kind of feel bad for Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson probably landed in the worst spot. He probably landed in the worst spot. It's like out of the five quarterbacks taken in the first round. Um, yeah. Out of the five that was taken in the first round, he probably landed in the worst spot. Like, if I'm ranking it, I would probably go Trey Lance, 49ers, Mac Jones, Patriots, probably, probably, probably Bears. Mm, I don't know. Bears and Jacksonville is kind of a toss-up because Matt Nagy and Chicago, offensively, it could be a bit stagnant. But undoubtedly, the worst spot was Zach Wilson with the Jets. He That was the worst spot. Because you look at the division, like at least with the Jackson, with the Jaguars and Bears, like the NFC North. If Aaron Rodgers gets traded, the NFC North is wide, it's wide open. In the in the AFC South with Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence, it's not quite wide open, but that's a very weird division where the Texans are awful. The Titans got some question marks. Indianapolis, we think they're going to be pretty good. They have a really good roster, but we got to figure out, we got to see if this Carson Wentz thing is going to work. So at least with Jacksonville in the NFC South, you know, that, that, that can be a really competitive division, and they can find themselves finishing second at the best. Like, they could find themselves finishing second, possibly. Chicago, like I said, if if Aaron Rodgers is not with the Green Bay Packers, the NFC North is wide, wide open. I mean, wide open. So I look at the Jets in the AFC East with first-year head coach Robert Salah and Zach Wilson. I just pray for him because he, it, it's gonna, it's not gonna be too good. Boy, I mean, you gotta have patience because. Th- this is not going to be a quick fix. At least I don't think so. 
I don't think it's going to be a quick fix because I look at I look I'm just looking at the AFC East and I'm like, boy, Zach Wilson, Robert Salah, they had to go through a lot. At least with Jacksonville, Jacksonville play in a I, I, I always have called the AFC South a weird division because Houston can't get their act right and um, Tennessee they they're good but defensively. They're a mess, so I don't know what I'm getting. Indianapolis is pretty solid. They got a pretty solid roster. I like I like what they have, but you know we got to figure out if the Carson thing, the Carson Wentz thing, is going to work. So at least with that division, it's a little bit open. But in the AFC East, you got Buffalo, who's a Super Bowl contender. Uh, New England, who's going to be you know seven and nine, was a was horrible for them. So they're going to try to bounce back. Miami, they went 10 and 6 and got better on offense. So looking at the Jets, I mean, woof, and Zach Wilson, but I, I pray for him. But that's why a lot of this is dependent on what quarterback, which like where you know, where these quarterbacks land. Because Trey Lance, I mean, he landed in the best position. Now, the division is tough. The the, the NFC West is very tough, but he has a Super Bowl quality roster around him. So it kind of balances itself out. Plus he has Kyle Shanahan. So it, it balances itself out. Um, Mac Jones, he has Belichick, Josh McDaniels, New England. Mac Jones is going to be okay. He sh- At least he should be. He should be okay. But um, I'm going to do, I can't wait into the schedule. Um, I think the schedule releases May 12th. I'm going to, um, when that schedule releases, I'm going to do, um, some early predictions. Some early predictions. Um, I, I I can't wait to do it because I find it very intriguing. Um, and people don't people overlook the schedule, but that's a big reason why a lot of my predictions were right last year. A lot of my like season predictions, predictions that I um that I made as far as like where teams, how many wins a team would get. A lot of that was just based upon, I mean, obviously matchups, but the schedule. I mean, scheduling could be weird. Um, like the Browns, for instance. The Browns, they were an 11-5 and football team. Football team, excuse me. They got better throughout the offseason. And it looks to be a, it looks to have, like, they, 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 like the Browns look like they have a top five roster. But. But it looks to be they have it looks like they have a top five roster. But um their schedule, they're gonna have a third place schedule. Cause they finished third place. They finished in third place. Baltimore finished second, and then Pittsburgh won the division. They're, so the Browns are gonna have a third place schedule. So depending on how the Browns schedule look, they have a chance to repeat. Being eleven and five, or perhaps even twelve and four, like or well, it's a seventeen game regular season, so they could they could win twelve games. They can go twelve and five, you know. So I think scheduling is such a big thing that I think people overlook, and that's like I said, that's a re- that's a reason why a lot of my picks were right last year, um, as far as win loss totals because. A lot of this has to do with scheduling. You get some weird. Some teams get weird scheduling breaks. Some teams don't. Um, so 
yeah, I think uh, the Browns, the only thing with the Browns, we got to, you know, is we got to figure out is Baker Mayfield the guy that can, you know, orchestrate this team to, to get to that next level. But the Browns have it all. The Browns have it all with their roster, um, head coach and Kevin Stefanski. They have it all. So I like I like I like what the Browns are doing. I certainly like what the Browns are doing, but I'm gonna wrap this bad boy up. Uh I think that's about it. I think that's about it. Yeah. I think that is about it. Uh without further ado, I'm gonna let you guys go. <laughs> let you guys go. Enjoy this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Or, you know, remember to stay COVID free, stay, stay healthy. Um, and without further ado, I'm gonna let you guys go once again. Always, always remember two choices, one decision. Uh, I see you guys on Saturday. Peace, deuces, gone.